Today's episode is brought to you by Audible. To pick up a free audiobook download, head on over to audibletrial.com slash simpletheology. Welcome to Simple Theology, a podcast connecting theology to everyday life by examining various doctrines of the Christian faith. I'm Robert Kane. And I'm Rick Romlick. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, hey. Hey, 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 hey. We're back. And, We're back. Um, and Neville is upstairs. Yes. Because he was being a rascal. I wonder where he gets it from. Probably his mother. You don't even know his mother. I don't. Are you just saying At a 50-50 chance, either his mom or his dad. <laughs> I don't know which one. So Robert's a male chauvinist. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it's probably his father. Yeah. All the ladies out there. Oh, yeah. Take a step back. So, Rob, um, quick question for you. For you? No, this one's for This me. one's for me. This one's for you. Take it away. Um, so here we are, like... In your basement, and yesterday you were looking for a um, pickleball paddle. I was, man. Rob's tearing through the basement trying to find his pickleball paddle. Couldn't find it. Rob and I are kind of on a new pickleball craze. I am, I should say. I was going to say, I haven't played in over I played, a year. I played two days ago, and I, it's the second time I've played, played last year. Pickleball is so fun. Rob played a year ago. Whatever. Rob doesn't care. I care about pickleball. I'm going to start a pickleball club. Really? Uh, yeah. Why would you not? <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I feel like people aren't coming in droves to play pickleball. Dude, they are coming in droves. It's like a, a huge fad. It might be. And don't get me wrong, I'm Rob's glad it is because pickleball is a ton of fun. He's a shelter. Yeah. Okay, so it's, it is growing. I would say, though, it's growing a lot with older people as well because it's not as hard on their bodies as tennis yeah you know what i mean yeah absolutely right. you have, less you have no to interest cover. in pickleball whatever i have plenty of interest i was a little uh, bummed know. i couldn't find my paddle which is actually my parents paddles so oh. they're like 1980 pickleball paddles Jeez, you they're can, retro you could probably get some money from those if eBay, i could find them ebay that mug yeah anyway all right pickleball good time for me Maybe I'll show Rob how to play sometime. Show me the ropes. So, Rob, talking about pickleball, um, how does that correlate with what we're talking about today? I have no <laughs> idea. <laughs> uh, all right. What well, we are talking about today, and we're just trying to cut down on the banter on this episode because this oh, is a sorry. heavy topic. Way to go, Rick. This is a big can you, can topic. Can you cut my banter out? This is a... Just no, I'm not, I'm not going to cut it out. We, don't, we do very little cutting out. On these things. Just when Rob loses his top and starts saying a bunch of dirty words. (laughs) (laughs) That has never happened on any episode. (laughs) Okay. Okay. But we're talking about election, Calvinism, and Arminianism. Hot dang. Well, okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. I would say we're talking about election. We're not really getting into Calvinism and Arminianism. Okay, yeah, that's true. But Those are two other massive... But they are... Like they're very connected. Very connected. Yes, yeah. absolutely. So, so okay. So you said that. Why don't you quickly suss out Calvinism, Arminianism, as we head into this conversation about election? Or- okay. So just a, a quick cursory overview, and 
Each each of them have their own five there he points. Goes cursing again. Yeah. Jeez, what the heck? Arminianism um, developed their five points prior to Calvinism because Calvinism's five points, which are the more popular, um, because they are an acronym called TULIP. Um, they are in response to the Arminian five points. What's and the guy's so, name? Jacob. Jacob's Arminius. J- yep, Jacob Arminius. Jacobus Arminius. Jacobus. Um, he's got a cool name. I mean, Jacobus is cooler than John. No, I think it's Jacob. I think it's Jacobus. It might be Jacobus. I think in the original language, yeah, probably. You know, uh, back then. Yeah. Um, and then John Calvin for Calvinism. Uh, but regardless, the way we're not going to get into each of theirs. Maybe we can go deeper another time. But in terms of election, this is where these two streams of thoughts differ. So Arminians would say that election is based off of God's foreknowledge. Can you um, just define election quickly? Yeah, that's a good, good point. Um, that's God's salvation that he, where he chooses, he elects individuals for salvation. Correct, yeah. So it's not like, let's go to the polls and elect Calvin or, you know, Arminian. It's, it's, it's about our salvation, about our soteriology, how we view... Soteriology is the fancy word for theology of salvation. There you go. So, back on to election. Yeah. So, um, Arminians would say that God looked down the corridor of time and he saw all those who would choose him, and then he, in response, chose them or elected them. Um, Calvinists would say, no, before the foundation of the world, God chose graciously those who... He would save none of us do deserve salvation, um, but God chose those whom he would save, and their response is that they now choose him. And so it's the uh, same thing, but just flipped. And um, there are other points to Arminius. So like, I'm a part of the Southern Baptist Convention, mm-hmm. and people say there's a huge divide between Calvinists and Arminius, and Arminianism, Arminianists, blah, 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 blah whatever. But that's not quite the case, because a true Arminianist would say that salvation can be lost. And so they, they, would, they would say that, that salvation is not um, guaranteed for your whole life. You could turn away from the faith and lose a salvation that you once Backslide had. Yeah. Backslide too much. Whereas, whereas in, in the SBC, Southern Baptist Convention... Um, they would affirm that they would affirm eternal salvation, where if you genuinely are saved, then you will not walk away from the faith. If you walk so away that, from the faith, like in First John, John talks about some of those who did walk away, and he says they proved that they weren't of us because mm-hmm. they left us. So the SBC would say that those guys, or that you, as a whole denomination, or you, you would say you affirm. Uh, the preservation of the saints. Yes. That, that you cannot lose your salvation. Yep, the fifth point of the, of the tulip. Now, so they would say that there's a divide between Calvinists and Arminians, and that's not quite the case. So the, those who don't agree with the Calvinist view of election, they would be what, we, what they call traditionalists. And so they, we can go deep into that, but we're not going to. Um, they say they're traditionalists because they say that's the traditional view. Historically, it really isn't, but that's not for this. Right. So, um, election. Yeah. So, we're in election. We're in this really contentious 
topic that we have wanted to tackle, but wanted to make sure that we were as clear as possible, which already maybe we haven't been, but that's just the nature of the beast. But we wanted to talk about this because we do think it's important, and hopefully it'll start a conversation, a good conversation, because what happens is people get on one side of the aisle or the other, and they start throwing stones, and they start building straw men, and it doesn't help the church. Yeah. And at the end of the day, and we'll go over this at the end as well, but whether you believe in the view of election, that Calvinist view, or the Arminian view of election, we should still be able to worship and serve together. Absolutely. And I would also say that um, as we talk about, um, if you're not familiar with Reformed theology or Calvinism, as we talk about some of these things, generally the response of people is negative. They don't agree with it. I did not agree with it. It took me several years to grapple and to really search the scriptures and to arrive that this is what I believe. So um, if you if we leave you confused, kind of angry, kind of fr- very frustrated, um, you're not alone in that, and, and that's okay. Just keep searching the scriptures, and, and, and God will, will reveal to you. Yeah. I mean, that, I, mean I would say he revealed you what, what we believe to be true. Yeah, I mean, that, exactly, that, Not that that's a good point. That, that don't you, search the scriptures. But, but no, that's a good point that you make, in that if you are, with any doctrine, if you're just wrestling with it, you're not sure, don't just... Don't walk away from don't it. Don't think about it and not do anything. I mean, drill deep into God's word. He has given you his word for that purpose. So, Rick, oh, yeah. when it comes to election, yeah. th- I mean, there are... So, guys, if you just Google verses on election yes then you're gonna see hundreds of verses so we do not have the time to talk about all of them but we have a few here and so we're just gonna go through these we're gonna talk about them um, and then we're gonna get into some more stuff here but just in terms of biblical support uh, the first one that we see is in ephesians 1 verses 3 through 12 and that reads blessed is the god and father of our lord jesus christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing In the heavens in Christ. For he chose us in him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in love before him. He predestined us to be adopted as sons through Jesus Christ for himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace that he lavished on us in the beloved one. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace that he richly poured out on us with all wisdom and understanding. He made, known, he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure that he purposed in Christ as a plan for the right time to bring everything together in Christ, both things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have also received an inheritance because we were predestined according to the plan of the one who works out everything in agreement with the purpose of his will, so that we who had already put our hope in Christ, might bring praise to his glory. So I recognize in that passage, um, there's a lot of predestined, there's a lot of he chose us before the foundation of the world. Um, but something else I recognize is that it's all for his glory. Yes. Good thing to pick up on. Yeah. 
So you want to just hop into that second one, or do yeah. you have anything to say about that verse? Well, I mean, there's a lot there. And, and so Ephesians 1 and 2 are great places to start with, we talk, as we talk about election. Yeah. Uh, because it's just clear, you, you have to deal with it. You can't ignore this doctrine. Yep. Uh, yeah, so Ephesians 2, 1, verse 4 says, And you are dead in your trespasses and sins, and made us alive with Christ, even though we were dead in trespasses. You are saved by grace. This idea that, we're saved by grace because we we were dead in our sin. Um, we we were not able to choose Christ. We didn't have the, the the faculties to say, oh, like I'm weighing all these options and I'm then going to choose Jesus Christ. You were dead, and Christ brought you to life. Um, dead people don't make decisions. They don't get to choose what they want. And so for us to say, I mean, it's very prideful and self righteous to take the stance that, oh, I. Based on my own ability, I chose Christ. Um, scripture is clear. You were dead in your sin. Like you, were, you didn't have the capacity. Christ, by his grace, reached down and saved you from that. So it, it reinforces this idea because, again, you're dead. You couldn't choose. Yeah, the idea of if you saw someone lying on the side of the road, dead. Whoa, this guy crashed. This, this took a hard left Whoa. turn. <laughs> but but you go up Rob, to that what's person. That bone sitting on your table for? We were trying to keep it from Neville. Is, oh, that's a dog bone. Okay. Okay. Um, Got someone buried but, in your backyard? Yeah, that's what, that's what I do. <laughs> but this idea of if you were to go up and, and you recognize this person's dead, and if you were to just go up to him and say, hey, dude, you need to get to the hospital. Right. And then walk away, you can come back in an hour. That dude's going to still be there. Yep. You know what I mean? And so if, if we are spiritually dead, mm-hmm. then to say, hey, you, you just you need to take Christ, or you just need to trust Jesus for your salvation. Right. There's absolutely true. Like, you do. Yep. But until God first makes that person alive, Correct. they will never choose him because they don't have the spiritual capacity to. Right. And, and this affects our whole understanding of grace, because if you believe that you're doing okay, and, and then like... Christ opened up the door, let you into the club, so to speak. Like you chose him and accepted him, and now you're in. You don't value what he's done for you as much. Mm-hmm. What I mean by that is, is Christ brought you from death to life. You know, he, he gave you new life. This this wasn't just a hey, join us in our work kind of a thing. This was something that completely changed you. But in order to have new life, in order to be born again, to be made new, to be a new creation, you had to be dead. Yeah. Right? It's not like you were like 80% there and then, then Christ helped you get the other 20% saved. Or vice versa. Yeah, Christ yeah. did 90%. Right. Now yeah. all you have to do is that 10%. Exactly. That's it, not the case. It's not the case because you didn't have the capacity. I mean, for Rob's gruesome um, dead body illustration, <laughs> you know, but, but seriously, like you're laying there dead, it'd be like Christ came, picked you up, and saved your life, and took you to the hospital, and they revived you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that idea that he had to do all of it. You, it's not like you, you didn't raise your hand, you didn't call for help, you did nothing. Um, it was Christ's work in you. So a popular illustration uh, that, illustrations. People, that people like to use is, hey, you have this massive debt. Say you, you have $100,000 worth of debt, and you can't pay it. It's just you cannot do it. It's too much for you. Uh, Jesus has written that check for you, and he signed his name, and all you have to do is take it to the bank and cash it. Right. And that, that's what an illustration that people use a lot of times. But it falls short when it comes to this conversation of us being dead in our sin. Because if you take that illustration, then what you're saying is 
Jesus wrote that check and handed it to a live person. But spiritually speaking, Mm -hmm. we're dead. It'd be like Jesus handing a check to a dead person and saying, hey, take it to the bank. All your debts will be paid. Right. It's not going to get taken to the bank. Yeah. And so what, what you were saying about appreciating the grace more, what it really is, is Jesus writing that check for us and then taking it to the bank for us mm-hmm. and paying our debts for us and then handing us the, the receipt saying everything right. has been paid for. Yeah. Okay. So Beautiful ne- illustration, Rob. Beautiful illustration. Oh, man. Color me flattered. <laughs> What'd you say? Color? Color me flattered. You've never heard that phrase? I've never heard of that. Color me flattered? Yeah. What color is that? Um, I'm going to say a deep magenta. <laughs> deep magenta. Just read the next verse. Okay? <laughs> the next verse. So Romans eight twenty eight used to be my favorite verse. Um, I still love the verse. Not anymore. <laughs> it's just, it's just. I have a. I feel like I have a more of appreciation for other That's scripture funny. that I'm like, yeah, I, I this love a lot okay. of them. <laughs> like this one's taking a backseat. This one's though. incredible. It, so what's your favorite? If verse? I had to choose one, it'd probably be this one. But I feel like I don't. You said it wasn't. I said I you didn't say it wasn't. It, yeah, you did. I said it used to be. Yeah, it used to be. I didn't say I have a new one. Well, if it's used to be, that very clearly implies that you have a new one. Well, maybe you just interpreted me wrong, no, right? No, I didn't. This is how the English language works. <laughs> okay. No, I just, I don't have a favorite one now, I would say. There's a lot of passages that I just love. Oh, you're that guy. I'm that guy. <laughs> <laughs> if, you had to, if you had to press me. Probably right, so same. what's the passage that you don't like anymore, but well, you look, still put up with? I love this passage. <laughs> but here's the thing. Romans 8.28 amazing verse but i know why you don't with, like it with the next don't, don't like it. You, what it what, why because it's so used it's used so much it's not original enough it's yes so and no everywhere yes and no yes in that it's used so much and it's interpreted wrong correct that's um, true but no in that i don't care if it's used so much like the reason to be used so much is because of how great it is it's like you, saying, okay, it's like saying John three sixteen. You like you like things like your tattoo. It's, it's everywhere, and you like it because everyone has it. Yeah, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> Just wanted to go safe. I'm sorry, that was a low blow. I, I let me read the verse. Yeah, Rob, all right, all right, okay. Hey Rob, why don't you go ahead and read Romans eight twenty eight through thirty for us? Sound like you said through thirty four, but through thirty so for us. Twenty eight through thirty for us. But what I was trying to say, Rick. Is that Romans eight twenty eight is made all the better if you add in Romans eight twenty nine and eight thirty. So the next two verses as well. So let's read this. Romans eight twenty eight says, We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. And then verse twenty nine says, For those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And here's verse three. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. What makes that passage so wonderful is that we see in verse 30 that there is a predestination happening. Those he he predestined, he also called. And so all, everyone that he predestined, he also called. And everyone that he called, he also justified. And everyone that he justified, he will also glorify. And so what we see is that nobody falls through the cracks. Every single person that God has predestined will get to that final stage of being glorified in heaven 
with Christ. Nobody will fall through the cracks. It's not that God predestined a certain amount and he has an 85% success rate. And so 85% will make it to glorification. No, he has a 100% success rate that every single person that he has predestined, he will also call. And everyone that he has called, he will also justify. And everyone that he has justified, he will also glorify. Rick? That's, that, yeah, I agree. Well, you're looking something up. What, what you got? Uh, Revelation 13, verse 8. It says, All those who live on the earth will worship it. Everyone whose name was not written from the foundation of the world in the, in the book of life of the Lamb who was slaughtered. My question, I'm just trying to figure out what you mean by all those who live on the earth will worship it. It's, it's in Revelation 13. Oh, we're just talking about I'm the beast. context. Okay. Yeah. Context is good. Saying that everyone's going to be worshiping this beast. Everyone but those who live, or those whose names were written in the, the book of life of the Lamb who was slain. And so what that passage okay. is saying is that before the foundation of the world, there was a book, this book of life, this book of life of the Lamb who was slain or the Lamb who was slaughtered, and names were written in it before right. the world was even formed. And so everyone in the world, when the, when the beast comes in Revelation 13, will end up worshiping the beast, except for those whose names were written in that book right. before the foundation of the world. Yeah, so that's, I mean, that's something, if, you, if you've grown up in the church, you've heard, you know, your, is your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life? You know, make sure your name's written. Hey, you accepted Jesus. Now your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. <laughs> um, well, Be comforted, brother. Based on Scripture, from the foundation, from the beginning, either it was written or it wasn't. Yeah, and that can feel cold. I will. I will say that that feels cold. That feels distant. Um, but that's. I mean, go read Revelation thirteen eight for yourself, if you don't believe me. All right. So, Rob, we got one, a couple more passages yep. uh, to talk about, and then we're gonna dig into a few other smarter guys. Yeah, uh, are smarter than. Okay. Us. So the next one is in John six. Uh, we see two verses, verse 37 and then verse 44. So 37 says, everyone, this is Jesus speaking, everyone the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will never cast out. It says in verse 44, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. And so Jesus is saying that, look, if you would just come to me, then I will never cast you out. So anyone who repents of their sins and trusts Jesus as the Savior of their sins and Lord of their life will be saved. Anyone. But what Jesus is saying is that only those whom the Father gives to him, whom the Father draws to him, will actually end up doing that. Yeah, and uh, John fifteen sixteen, Jesus said, You did not choose me, but I chose you. And uh, I think some people will say, the argument against that would say, oh, he's just talking about the disciples, um, which I would disagree with that. But I'd also say, well, if he chose the disciples, and <laughs> then he has every right to choose us as well. Yeah. You know, if people say, hey, God's a gentleman. He will never push himself on you. Um, have you read scripture? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, here's the thing, is that, I mean, he, sure, yeah, God is a gentleman, but God does whatever he wills. Right. And at the end of the day, if it wasn't for him imposing his will on me, Absolutely. then I would never choose him. Because Rob was dead. I was dead in my sin. I preferred sin. He was laying on the side of the road. Dead. Bleeding out. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, like he, he is God. He, he, 
he has all these, I mean, he's holy, he's set apart, so it's not like he's a dirtbag forcing people, like a, a mob boss, okay? Yeah. But the point is, I mean, he very much fulfills his will, and we're going to touch on that in a minute, but... But, so, with that, with that, it's important to note that God will never, will never force us to do something that we don't want to do, necessarily, when it comes to that. So, when it comes to salvation, he's not going to be like, oh, you don't want to be saved? I'm going to save you anyway, I'm gonna son. I'm going to force it on you. Yeah, like, he, that's not what we mean. He regenerates well, your heart. Yeah, he's going to change our hearts so that our affections and our desires were a new creation, and then we start to to love him, we start to want him, and that's how the this calling and, and this justifying take place. I would agree. I would okay. agree. <clears throat> so next, we've got um, Will Metzger in his book, Tell the Truth. He, on pages 160 and 161, if you were to get that, and he, by the way, we didn't do this in the last episode, we got to do this here. If you guys want to get this book, go to Audible. You can get this book for free if you go to audibletrial.com slash simple theology. You need to put in your credit card information, but... Yeah, but you can cancel. <laughs> right, but there's a process there. Like you yeah. have to... It literally takes, I would say, and this is not an exaggeration, I would say it takes less than four minutes to, to sign up, because I signed up for one. If you have your card with you. Well, yeah. If you don't, then you have to drive home or drive wherever you can get it, and that's going to take a lot more than I'm four minutes. I'm saying, like, if it's in the purse, If in you the car, keep your wallet on you like any normal person... Does your wife keep her wallet on her? Yeah. Does she? All the yeah. time. No, yeah. she does not. That's so malarkey. She does. She doesn't carry a wallet. She puts it in her purse. Exactly. Her she keeps purse her purse is... with her. <laughs> is her purse with her right now? She's sleeping. It's... Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You dog. Okay. But in his book, Tell the Truth, he lays out this nine-step process of um, electing grace. That's what he calls this election. Because ultimately, God's election of us is nothing but pure grace. Because we don't deserve it. Um, but he saves us aside from what we deserve. and so. We're going to go through these. Rick, I'll take the first one, and then you can take a second. Oh, we'll just read these okay. off real quick. So here it is. He says, for those who think in linear fashion, electing grace could be put this way. Number one, human beings exchange the truth about God for a lie and crash. We are totaled and disabled. I liked your, I liked your quote, finger quotes. Yeah, they, the crowd couldn't see the finger quotes. Did you guys hear quotes. that? <laughs> <laughs> there. Quote unquote totaled and quote unquote disabled. <laughs> yeah, so point two, he would say recreation uh, or, or new life is needed. So, again, as we said, you're dead. You need new life. You don't just need something added into your life. You need a recreation made yep. new. And then number three, alien aid is needed. And what he means by alien is outside of ourselves. And so, aid outside of ourselves is needed. I agree with that. Number four, our maker devises a salvation plan involving his son and the Holy Spirit. So we see that the Trinity in action here in this, this form of um, grace or electing grace. Yep. Uh, number five, the Father, unobligated to save any, chooses to save many, not because of any quality in us, but because it pleases him. He thus sends his son. Oh, there's, a, there's a lot of these things. Number six. There's nine. Yeah, six. Uh, Jesus, the God-man, provides redemption via keeping perfectly the Father's law, dying as our substitute sin-bearer, and victoriously rising to new life for those given to him, chosen by the Father. Number seven, the Holy Spirit, following God's plan, 
regenerates and I lost my spot. The Holy Spirit, following God's plan, regenerates those given to the Son, granting Christ's benefits to them. Um, number eight, which I will say, like we're reading, maybe you can, if you need to pause and re-listen to these, that's totally fine. Cause... We'll also put them in the show notes. Oh, okay, great. Hey, don't even listen to the podcast, just read the show notes. <laughs> um, eight, having spiritual new birth, they wholeheartedly respond in repentance and faith, receiving pardon for sin and the gift of a right relationship with the triune creator by union with Christ. And number nine, they willingly and freely love God because he first loved them and they choose to do his will. And so he says here, um, just a few pages later in his book, that there's a verse in verse in First John that sums it all up. And it says, we love God and others. It says, we love God and others because he first loved us. Uh, and that's First John 4, 19. And so what he's saying is that God chose me first and this triggered my choice of him. He loved me specifically from all eternity and I, wooed by his prior love, freely love him back. There's an attracting power in God's love. I've come home into my father's house. I enjoy being a mere human creature before my creator. First, grace, then respond ability. Did a little play on words there, kind of like responsibility, but it was first God's grace and then respond ability. We then have the ability to respond and choose Mm -hmm. God. And that's uh, in his book, pages 166 to 167. Is where you'll find that quote. Cool. Yeah. So, okay. This debate goes back really far, right? But it got really popular um, hundreds, a few hundred years ago. And so our boy, Charles Spurgeon. Our boy. Chuck Spurge. <laughs> Chucky, Chucky ass. <laughs> Whoa. That's what they called him back then. <laughs> Chucky ass. Uh, Pastor Chucky. Chucky. <laughs> All right, Charles Spurgeon said this. I feel like that's so disrespectful. He, okay, this is a pretty long quote here, okay, guys? So you're going to read gonna, the whole thing? I'm going to read the whole thing because it's really, really good. That's like long. That's like how many pages is that? It's, it's, it's like 14 pages. Re- All right, guys, strap yourself in. <laughs> no, it's a couple paragraphs, uh, but this is a great quote that, that hopefully helps put all this together uh, by our boy, Charles Spurgeon. He's not our boy. Rick. I don't know who your friends are. <laughs> your friend's not Charles Virgin. <laughs> I can tell you that right now. I like things he says. Okay. He says this. Born as all of us are by nature in Arminian, I still believed the old things I had heard continually from the pulpit and did not see the grace of God. When I was coming to Christ, I thought I was doing it all myself. And though I sought the Lord earnestly, I had no idea the Lord was seeking me. I can recall the very day and hour when I first received those truths in my own soul, when they were, as John Bunyan says, burnt into my heart as with a hot iron. One week night, when I was sitting in the house of God, I was not thinking much about the preacher's sermon, for I did not believe it. The thought struck me, how did you come to be a Christian? I sought the Lord. But how did you come to seek the Lord? The truth flashed across my mind in a moment. I should not have sought him unless there had been some previous influence in my mind to make me seek him. I prayed, thought I. Then I asked myself, how came I to pray? I was induced to pray by reading the scriptures. How came I to read the scriptures? I did read them, but what led me to do so? Then, in a moment, 
I saw that God was at the bottom of it all, and that he was the author of my faith. And so the whole doctrine of grace opened up to me, and from that doctrine I have not departed to this day, and I desire to make this my constant confession. I ascribe my change wholly or completely to God. So, two thoughts. One, like, it's just so clear, and as Spurgeon wrote his story about arriving to this doctrine of grace, like, it's just a beautiful thing, and it's clear that it's it's a process. You need yeah. to reflect. Well, how? Why did I? And how did I open up to that? He says doctrines of grace, which that's just another term for Calvinism. Right. Two. Well done, Rob. You could like read me. An, I thought we were like an audio book there for a second. Man. Like, are you gonna read for Audible here soon? Rick, you know what? You know what I have to say to that? Color me flattered. <laughs> You are so weird. <laughs> All right, so George Mueller, um, again, not my boy, but a huge fan of George Mueller. You talk about a guy who was faithful and who saw miraculous things simply because he said, I'm going to believe what the Scripture says, and God did amazing things. Um, this is what he says. To my great astonishment, I, fa- I found that the passage which speak decidedly for election and preserving grace were about four times as many as those which speak apparently against these truths. Even those few, shortly after when I had examined and understood them, served to confirm me in this and the above doctrines. And so what Mueller is speaking about is there's abundantly more passages about election, about the grace, preservation of the saints, than there are against it. And as he really examined even the ones that were proposed to be against it, they reaffirmed his stance on them. Yeah. So as we kind of quote these famous dead guys, um, it's not because they are just under Christ and their um, biblical authority. They're just men, but they are godly men and they are, are proven men. And so we do want to look to them for wisdom as well. Yeah, absolutely. Not above scripture, but um, it's a great that we see men who have proven to be faithful and biblical, and this is what they've arrived to. Yeah. So, okay. There are... Um passages, a few passages that would seem to be on the surface problematic, okay, for Calvinism, for this doctrine of election. And we're going to hit those here in just a second, but before we do, Rick, why would this, why, so we've said that this is a debate, this is a, a topic of contention. Right. Why is it such a hot topic in Christianity? Why are people so fired up about it? I don't know. <laughs> That makes for good radio. No, so a couple reasons. One, um, so people believe there's a biblical argument against it. Yeah. You know, there's a biblical argument for free will. Yep. And I mean, I can see where some of that, they obviously can pull from some of those things. I would just say the the doctrines of grace outweigh those heavily. Okay, so that's one. It, it's just, and when you it, say free will, you mean the freedom to freedom choose our to ultimate choose, destination. Right, to choose or reject Christ. Yeah. Um, two, we as people are, this has to do with more of our human nature. We don't like the idea that we don't get to choose. We want to earn it. We want to work for it. We, it's, it's on us, especially as Americans. This is, I was going to say, it's especially Western, thing. Western culture. Like, I earned this. I did this. So as people, we do not like the idea that, that Christ chose us. Um, but also as people, we don't like the idea that there was some choosing going on. Like, if everyone has their, has to make their own choice, 
it's much more, well, that's on him, that's on him. This idea that, that our God shows people um, and rejected some others is very contentious. I mean, again, this is why it took me years to work through this and to, re- to truly embrace these doctrines. is because they, they ran against everything I believed about God. Not everything, but a lot of it. I mean, I was angry when I first heard that about the doctrine of election. Like, my God doesn't choose people. Like, how dare he? Like, that's yeah. not who he is. He, but as you dig in, uh, you realize, well, Scripture says something different. But again, as people, we don't like that. We we want to choose. We want it to be up to us. We actually want to. Th- we think we're good enough, or we think we're we're okay enough. Even as Christians, you know, people can fall into the trap. Say, hey, you know, I'm I'm a good Christian. Like I'm. But you don't understand your depravity. Like you are you are nothing. You are dead, and that's why it's important that we really work through these and don't just say, hey, yeah, I agree with this or I don't agree with it. We have to understand the doctrine and why we believe it. Yeah, I wrestled with it as well. It was probably, I don't know, seven well, or so years ago. I remember when, when I was starting to kind of turn the corner and embrace these is when I was sharing them with Robert, and Robert wanted nothing to do with it. We were like, yeah, that's not true. Like that's, I just remember sitting in, in your on Vine Street, you're living there, in your living room, and you're like, just kind of rejecting these things. Yeah. Like, all right, man. Well, I mean, I mean, someone else who had a big impact on that was Kevin Nattinger, which yeah. most of the listeners probably don't know. But Shout out to you, Kevin. Yeah, he, he was the one who really started sharing these things with me. And I, I was like, no, 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 no. And I talked to you about it. And you were like, yeah, maybe. And I was like, no, 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 no. And I spent, I don't know, six months just wrestling with this, pouring over different passages, trying to understand what they said, reading all kinds of articles, reading uh, commentaries, just trying to understand how these passages fit together. And I ended up being persuaded and convinced of the reality of God's election and really appreciating God's election. Yeah, so, absolutely. Okay, Rick, those problematic verses. So you, you already yes. said it, it's such a hot topic because people don't like the idea right. of not having ultimate control. Yep. Because what, what we would say is that you do have the freedom to choose whatever you want. It's just until God regenerates the heart, until God makes someone alive in Christ, they will not want Jesus. Yeah, so, so something you'll hear people say is, yeah, if you're, you know, you have the free will to choose sin only. You yeah. can choose whatever sin you want, as much as you want, but that's about the only free will you have is to choose sin. Because you're, you're, um, you're an enemy of God, you're, you're dead in your sin and trespasses. You don't have the ability. R.C. Sproul used to say that, yeah, we have the freedom to choose to pick any poison we please. Yeah. And so, R.C. okay, anyway, what are these problematic verses, Rick? Um, well, first one, First uh, Timothy 2, 4, let's we'll list them all real quick. Second Peter 3, 9, 1 John 2, 2, and John 3, 16. Um, so First Timothy 2, 4. What does that say? About um, God wants everyone to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Yeah. So this, I mean, we sussed this out a little bit, but there's a, a difference between God's revealed will and his secret will. We call it the will of desire and the will of decree. So God does have a desire. I mean, he desires that we all work, walk perfectly, mm-hmm. that we do not sin. However, um, that's his desire. We do sin. Yeah. Right? So that those, he doesn't, just because he desires it doesn't mean he makes it happen. Now, he does have, we call it the secret will or the will of decree. These are things that he, he determines to happen because he is sovereign. And so he determines these to happen so that his plan comes to fruition. Um, and 
<clears throat> excuse me. I don't get how all that works, and I don't get how he does everything, but that's okay. I, I am much more willing to sacrifice what I don't know and trust and believe in a, in a sovereign God than feel like than take a, a God who's not sovereign and be able to explain everything away. Yeah, absolutely. But well, helpful um, picture of what someone, when they were explaining this, what they used was they said, I have a desire to eat candy bars every day. They said, but I have a higher desire to be healthy. Mm-hmm. They said, yeah, God desires for everyone to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth, which First Timothy 2.4 says. That is a, a genuine desire that God has. But his, his secret will, his will of decree, the, his ultimate will for his glory and for the good of his people, that doesn't end up happening. And like Rick said, we don't know the answer to everything, and that's okay. Um, but we do know that God is in control, and that's a good thing to trust to him because he's a good God. Uh, second, the other one is Second Peter 3.9, which said, says, The Lord does not delay his promise, as some understand delay, but is patient with you not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. And so what we see there is that's uh, Peter's second letter to a group of people. And so to really understand who he's talking to, we need to go to his first letter to this group of people. And we see that in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. And he says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those chosen, or the ESV says, to the elect, living as exiles dispersed among or dispersed abroad in Pontius Galatia, blah, 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 blah. But what he's doing is he is writing to the elect. He's writing to the chosen. And so what he's saying is that God is not, he doesn't delay his promise, as some of you may understand delay, but he's patient, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. And so what he's saying is that you elect that I'm writing to, you chosen I'm writing to, there are more elect and more chosen out there. Right. Christ hasn't returned yet. It's not because he's being delayed like you think he might be delayed, but he wants all of the elect to come to him first. And so that's why he hasn't returned yet. And so that's what Peter was addressing. And, and when we look at that passage, if we look at that in the context of Peter's writings, he is writing to the elect. Yeah. And, um, and then in First John 2, 2, he himself is the atoning sacrifice for our sins not only for ours, but also for those of the whole world. Uh, in this passage, people would take the whole world to mean all people groups. So not literally every individual, but all the people groups in the, the world. Um, I'm looking for a passage. What are you looking for? Let me see if I can find it. Yeah, so so Matthew twenty four fourteen says, This good news of the kingdom will be proclaimed in all the world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So people will talk about that with eschatology, the end time thing, that that the gospel has to be proclaimed to all nations uh, before Christ can return. But but also what I'm referring to is that it talks about that the gospel will go to every people group, and every people from every nation, tribe, and tongue will be before the throne, and that's a, a passage in Revelation. I can't think of it off the top of my head, but that People from every nation, from all over the world, every part of the world, will be are, are chosen and will be um, are their names written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Yeah, that's good. And then John three sixteen, the famous verse, famous passage. Wait, what is it? 
John chapter 3, and then if you're looking at the big number there, that's the chapter. Uh-huh. And then if you look at the small number, that's going to be the verse. Skip over 1 through 15 and just hop right in at verse 16. You're going to see this. For God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And so it says that God loved the world in this way. And so people would say he, he died for the whole world. And the, the way that we would understand that is exactly how Rick described the previous passage, First um, John 2, 2, that world, it means all nations, tribe, all people groups. He, he loved the world. Yes, absolutely. He loves his people. That's why he provided a means of salvation. Um, but not everyone will be saved because he loved the whole world doesn't mean the whole world is going to be saved but there will be people representing who will be saved representing every people right. group and it, it kind of goes back to that whole um revealed secret or will of desire will of decree mm-hmm. thing so there's a lot of verses that support this in, in um this doctrine of election and i'd say they, they far outweigh those who would say the doctrine of free will that you freely choose again i just would say again it's this is a tough this like literally this is a tough uh, doctrine. Yeah. And the title of our show is Simple Theology. And yeah. this doesn't feel very simple. On one hand it is, but it doesn't feel simple. But I just encourage you to wade into it. Um if you have questions, please reach out to us. We'd love to, to share our hearts with you and share resources. And um you know, it's just, it's hard to to way to this but it's good and you, you need to deal with it because yeah. it's clearly evident in scripture so you yeah. have to figure out what it means and so rick one of the last things we want to cover here mm-hmm. is romans eight twenty nine. some other passages talk about god's foreknowledge yep and so couldn't god's election be based off of his foreknowledge that would be the argument that some people would make like why couldn't it be based off of his foreknowledge it is based on his foreknowledge. Well, one, if, as we read that passage, if you start Romans eight twenty-eight through thirty, it talks about those what he predestined. But if it's based off just foreknowledge, it's simply saying God looking in the future and saying, "Okay, who would choose me? Ah, I chose them." So it's again, it's based on us, on our works, and we're putting ourselves not literally, but we're functionally acting as God by choosing who who's saved and who's not by saying. You know, I was gonna, well, I was going to choose God anyway, so he's just going to choose me. That's not how it worked. Yeah, exactly. Psalm 135, verse 6 says that the, whatever the Lord pleases, he does in heaven and on earth, in the seas and all the deeps. So if, if God's election is based off his foreknowledge of who would choose him, then like you said, that ultimately makes that thing the ultimate thing because it's been influencing God's decisions. And God does whatever he wants. So um, we would say that his, his actions are not dependent on anything else. They're dependent on what he wants to do, what, what he does. And so at, right. at the end of the day, when it comes to election, when it comes to free will, something that's helpful is understanding that we do have, quote unquote, free will, but we have to, de- we have to define what free will is. Yes. If free will is to choose our ultimate destination, then we would say that, that no, that's in God's hands. But when it comes to doing what we want to do, so right. for instance, why did I choose God, as Spurgeon said? 
Well, because I prayed. Well, because I read the scriptures. Well, because, and he he notices that God is at work in all of that. And at the end of the day, the only way, because we are dead in our sin, the only way that we choose God is if he makes us alive and gives us that desire to choose him. And then we freely, on our own basis, choose him. But it doesn't happen unless he acts first. Right. Uh, uh, Again, analogies always break down. Exactly. The one I've heard, and I use is there's another ship analogy this is a different one so there's a ship going from new york to to liverpool right and that ship is going there now you can and you're on that ship god has elected you to be on that ship you can spend that ship on the deck you can or that rod that cruise on the deck you can spend that time in the hall you can spend it up you know wherever but you cannot determine if you're on that ship or not it's going from new york to liverpool that's god's will of decree that's it. Now he has a will of desire for you that you can, you know. I mean, you will. He will sanctify you. That's his guarantee again. Romans eight. Yeah. He will, and then he'll glorify you. But it's a much better ride if you're like fervently seeking after him. Um. So anyway, again, there's contention here. It's hard, but it's good. And we, um, we, we hopefully are encouraging you to to discover more things about this. Yeah. So. Anything you want to add to that, Rob? I'm just gonna wrap this up. Yeah, we, I mean, we need to wrap it up. We don't, have, guys. We don't have all the answers to this. We, um, we don't claim to claim to have all the answers. We would just encourage you to look at the scriptures and and what we really would hope yeah. is that as you look at it, you would recognize that your salvation for those of you who are Christians is thanks to God alone, not because we were smart enough and we chose Him. Correct. And we it's did our own five percent or ten percent. God did 100% because we were dead, and he, in his grace, chose to make us alive. Preach it, Rob. Preach it. Preach. Yeah, so um, that's that. Again, if you like today's episode and think someone else would, please share it. Um, We'd love also for you to leave us a rating on iTunes. If if you leave us a review, we can also give you a shout-out, which, I mean, who doesn't love a shout-out? A good shout-out by Rob. Mm. Well, beautiful thing. But hey, we do love to hear from you, so contact contact us on Facebook at Simple Theology. We're on Twitter at, fa- at simpletheology.com. Dang it. <laughs> I can never read Simple Theology <laughs> underscore. Website, simpletheology.org. Um, you can also support us. We have a Patreon page, and you can go to our website and click support in the upper right. right-hand corner. Um, also, we do have a thing going with Audible audibletrial.com slash simpletheology. As Rob mentioned, you can sign up there through that link and you can get a, a free book. And we also get a kickback for that. So help us help you. Yeah, here, real us. quick, real quick, before we go. Oh. Three books that I'd recommend oh. on this topic. So if you head on over to audibletrial.com slash simpletheology, you can check out a book. But if you're looking to really dig deep here, just three books, there's a ton of others that you can look into. But these three, I think, would be really helpful. First one is The Bondage of the Will. By Martin Luther. That guy is a baller. Um, check that book out. Bondage of the Will by Martin Luther. Evangelism and the Sovereignty of God by J.I. Packer. And Tell the Truth, which we referenced earlier, by William Metzger. Great, great, great. So that's it. Love to hear from you guys. And uh, peace out. Peace. <laughs>